0: Um, finishing up high school. I can't quite remember if I'd graduated, but I was 17 or 18, right around my 18th birthday. And a pastor I met uh, offered me this youth pastor position in a small town uh, not too far from Dallas. I was pretty excited. I mean, wow, that's pretty cool. I I mean, I was like in the youth group and now being offered a job as a youth pastor. And so this all seemed appealing and exciting. Then I got um, a message from one of my pastors. He sent it indirectly. He sent it through someone else and he said, tell Aaron not to take that job. Well, you know, that was kind of disappointing to hear. But the, the person who had offered me the job, I didn't really know him. But I knew this pastor. He was very close to me. I knew his heart and he knew me. And I trusted him. He went through someone else so he wouldn't have culpability. You understand that technique? Because it was a friend of his. So even though it was really hard, I told, uh, told the man, no, I'm not interested. Even though I was. That ended up being one of the better decisions of my life. It was a decision that I didn't have the maturity or the perspective or even the information to make. But I had someone who loved me and cared for me who warned me. And and I think that, that that was an act of courage and an act of risk on his part. But I won't give you the details why, but it became very clear in the future that that was not the best place for me. Now, since that time... I learned a valuable lesson. I have several pastors in my life. I know it can be confusing to you guys because I, I call so many people my pastor, but I, uh, you know, I've been walking with the Lord a long time now. So I have several pastors in my life, and I do not make any major decision without getting their, impact, their input into my life. At least two of them get participation within the decision and that has served me so well you know often it it goes like this i'll say i'll go to one of my pastors and and let them know of something i'm considering and they usually just ask caring questions like this um have you prayed about it what has god said about this here's a real important question what does beth think about this And usually, the conclusion of that conversation will be something like this I think you know what to do. I'd say 98% of the time, that's what it is. It's like a sounding board. But occasionally, and I could probably, I I didn't take time to do this, I could probably count up on two hands how many times this has happened. Uh, They'll say, Why don't you wait? Why don't you pray more? Why don't you investigate this more? Why don't we pray together? Why don't we look into this together more? And that has been such a blessing in my life. It has not been a restriction. It has not been an overbearing control technique. It has been such a blessing in my life. And it's something that, is an invitation God's given us in the body of Christ as we're in community with each other. But everything in us is trained to be independent. Everything within us is trained to trust in our own opinion, in our own perspective. I've enjoyed talking to you about the church. This is my third week to do so, and you may enjoy the other two sermons. You can go on iTunes or on CIL.church to access the other two. A lot of people will ask, do we have our services online? We don't have video, but we have audio every week. And you can find those either through iTunes or go straight to CIL.church. So it may do you good to listen, and I won't review what we talked about. Today, what we're gonna talk about is what is my role in the church? What is my role in the church? And I'm gonna suggest from scripture a few places that you need to be Here's where God has called you. Here's number one. God has called you under spiritual shepherds. We're just going right for it right here. God has called you under spiritual shepherds. For some of us, like even writing that just feels so difficult. Because we love our independence. Independence. This is what the scripture says in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17. Obey your leaders and submit to them, since they keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account, so that they can do this with joy and not with grief, for that would be unprofitable for you. Now you see here there's a reciprocal relationship here. Spiritual shepherds are supposed to watch over your soul. There's supposed to be a measure of relationship, a measure of engagement, um, a sense of care, a sense of serving. So it is kind of hard to obey or submit to spiritual leaders who don't care for you. And I know that there's a lot of the stories out here in these seats today of guys and gals who have been in spiritually damaging situations, spiritually unhealthy situations. And, and I'm aware of that today. So I'm talking about best case scenarios here where, where things are going really well, when things are, are biblical, when things are, are exactly what God wants. And there is this, this sense of, of the leaders of the church serve. And then it's a joy to obey and submit to those same leaders who are, who are operating under God's heart. One of the problems with non-denominational churches, and I, I love non-denominational churches, and there's lots of strengths to us, is our independent nature mixed with market forces because we, we learn from the business world and we bring those principles in the church. We look, we look to our pastors as employees not spiritual leaders. I'm going to say that again. By the nature of how we organize, we look to our pastors as employees of the church and, and not spiritual leaders. And I, I will tell you this, this is not necessarily your fault as, as congregation members because you've kind of been trained this way. I mean, we, we've orientated the church in this this way um, to to always only look at the business angle of the church and now let me criticize the clergy a little bit all right this will be the fun part of the sermon i'm going to criticize pastors a little bit i think people are rightly suspicious of pastors today because pastors we're always using people to get something done in fact, that's a, that's a leadership theory. You know, what is a leader? A leader, you take a people from here to there. You get, them, you get something done. And obviously, I do that, and there's good to that. I mean, we, as, a, as a church, as a congregation, we want to move. We want to go. We want to advance. We want to do the things God calls us to do. And so in order to get something done, sometimes, pastors, we use people. Give, give, give. You know, God's called us to tithe, and he's called us to give sacrificially. But, man, there's just some times when churches need to just spend the money they already have and the tithe they already have. I'm not suggesting to stop tithing. I'm talking about special campaigns all the time. You can't just keep rolling campaigns forever and ever. That's a great marketing scheme for a church, but it's not always best for the people. Because sometimes people are like, I've been tithing for 50 years, and I just don't want to give to another special project again. I would just say to that, that just for our churches, I want that to be spirit-led. I mean, we probably need to do that at some point. Raise extra money for extra projects. I'm not saying that's wrong. I'm saying that the motivation needs to come from the spirit. And there'll be joy in our hearts. And so this, this idea of pastors, or at least me, let me just talk about me, Sometimes I want you to volunteer and I want you to invite people to church and I want you to give. And and you can kind of feel like, man, is this guy using us just to build his little kingdom or build his church? You can see the balance there. The balance of leadership that stirs the people to good works. And then this this sense of of, you people are here to make my dreams come true. And, And we have to balance those things and allow the Holy Spirit to lead us. And the guidance of the scripture. And even uh, the collective, the collection of spiritual leaders who hear God together. The leadership board, the elders, the overseers to a lesser degree. The 242 leaders. Hey, what, what does God want for us as a people? The, the, the senior leader obviously plays a huge role in that. But not the only role. We hear from the Spirit together. So there is this underlying suspicion about pastors, even if it's unstated. But I'm here to remind you today that pastors are called to serve. We're called to serve you. When I say pastor, I'm not just talking about the, peop- the, the guy who preaches the most, right? Because yeah, we, we have a few hundred people here. Our church averages around 500 in attendance. So that means we probably have seven or 800 people who call this our church. So obviously one pastor can't shepherd all these people. So we have Aubrey and Chip and Deborah, Daniel, Greg, Josh, Jennifer, Maybe I'm leaving some people out. And then in addition to that, probably the most effective shepherds who aren't called pastors are 242 leaders and women's Bible study leaders who, who are like really caring for the soul of people, like really like listening to prayer requests and following up on them and visiting people when they're, when they're in the hospital and showing God's love through care. This is a beautiful expression of God's heart Men and women called to shepherd the flock. People called to serve you, to watch over you spiritually, to to make sure you're maturing in Christ and you're not staying in perpetual spiritual immaturity, to protect you from false doctrine. That is huge. That is huge. That way, I'm going to be snarky here, you don't have to waste your time with the blood moons. You don't have to do that if you're under good pastors because you know that that's just a, a marketing scheme. Only 10% of you understood that, and I won't say that next service, but here we go. (laughs) To protect you from false doctrine, to help you move in the right direction spiritually so that the, the trajectory of your life is moving towards the wholeness of Christ. So I just want to say, let the pastors that God has called to this church and called to lead you, let them serve you. Let them teach you. Let them lead you. Get in relationship with them, with your 242 leaders and those who pastor the children and the youth and those who are called and, and designated as, as um, licensed and ordained pastors in this church. A few years ago, I used to uh, run jogging in our neighborhood. Don't let me shock you with that. Some of you can testify because I'd hear honking honk and a wave a lot. This was like four or five years ago, and uh, some of you would see me do that there in Westington and back in the neighborhood that I live. And, and there came a time when about halfway through my route, man, I started getting lower back pain, and it was just, it was a bummer, man. I, I couldn't run anymore, and so I'd had to kind of walk back home. And then I had to kind of limp back home. It was really kind of embarrassing. So I thought, well, maybe that's one time, and I don't really take medicine very often. So I took some, whatever, some Advil or whatever and tried it again. It happened again. And so this was this was really bad. So I was talking to some people about it, and they said, when's the last time you've changed your shoes? Well, guys, I'm cheap. And this was a time in my life, you know, when I was, you know, cash flow, we were watching it closely and all that and we still did, not that we don 't do that now, but it just you know you got to give your kids shoes for back to school before you get you new running shoes right you 've been there before, especially there 's three of them, man. Why do we have kids so close together beth man why, why, why couldn 't we have paced these kids out now? Goodness gracious they 're all three going to be at college at once, and so someone said, "Hey, have you changed your shoes lately and It had been a couple of years, and so I went and I mean, maybe like two years since I'd changed my, my running shoes, so I went and bought new shoes and you know, spent some time making sure they were fit. Yes, that was me at the finish line, running around the finish line. Like I was that guy, I was like actually running and sprinting around there, and they felt good. I put them on that first run. And it was like instant healing. It was like instant healing. It was like, oh my good. I mean, the back pain was gone. I mean, the shoes made all the difference guys I was running like a gazelle I was smooth I don't want to brag but people were actually going on their front porch just watching me run the, the chariots of fire music just was all over our neighborhood it was awesome so now I put you know on my my little reminders you got to have a system every nine months I try to buy me new shoes all right and, and 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 I do that because it's not a a selfish fashion thing it's a health issue. When when you have the right fit everything is just better. When you have the right fit it increases confidence, it comforts you, it motivates you, it increases longevity. Do you know that you have a spiritual fit? God's given you Just the right personality and gift mix and experience for this church right now. If God's called you to this church, he has given you just what we need. Just the right gift mix. I know sometimes it takes a while to find your rhythm and to find your place and to find your connecting point. But keep working at it because God has uniquely gifted you to fit into the body of Christ. If you're called to this body, into this body, he's actually designed your personality to contribute to this local church. Write down number two. We are all called to utilize spiritual motivational gifts. Spiritual motivation gifts. And you can learn about that when we offer CIO Forward. In fact, step two of CIO Forward is about discovering your motivational gifts, and we can, we, we'll launch those in January, but if you don't want to wait, I'll figure out a way to get you in it now. In fact, this Wednesday, I'm meeting with two couples who don't want to wait till January. They want to get into CIO Forward now, so if that's you, let me know. So this idea that he's given gifts to the church, and we're not gonna get into all those details now, but I'll read Ephesians 4, 11 through 12. And he gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers, equipping the saints for the work of ministry to build up the body of Christ. So God has called, we've developed this word clergy, or if you like the word fivefold ministry people, uh, people who are maybe, ordained or licensed, you know, set apart to serve the body, our primary call is not to work for you but to equip you. All right? So we're not we're not here to do work and task. God's called us and thank God like I get paid and I appreciate that. Thank you so much. But my my job and my assignment from the Lord more importantly is to equip you for you to do the ministry. And the church doesn't grow if people don't find their motivational gifts and get involved, you're not just here to enjoy music, which great job on the music, Aubrey and Jennifer. You know, you're not just here to enjoy music or to, you know, like, like, because to listen to speaking, to, to download content. You're here to be part of the body, to use your gifts, to do things for the Lord. And, and what, guess what happens? That's how the church grows. The church grows when people do the things that God calls them to do. God's given men and women to the local church because we're all part of the body. Romans 12, verse 4 through 8. We won't read that now because of the sake of time, but it talks about all of these different motivational gifts gifts of service, and faith, and, and administration. And these are all indicators that God's given you something. I, I, I think it's a good list to work through, but I don't believe it's an exhaustive list. If God's called you to, to, to lead, if he's called you to um, lead worship. Guys, can I just tell you that if you're called to lead people in worship, we need help leading kids to worship. Don't get enamored with the worship here on this stage. The greatest stage is in front of our children. Because we're forming the hearts of kids who need to worship, and it's amazing me, to me how musicians—I'll be real honest with you—I just it amazes me that musicians and singers will not perform, will not lead kids in worship. Amazes me. I, I mean, I've taught kids. I, I've taught junior high. If The youth group needs me to preach. I'll come in here and preach. You know, if if I'm needed to 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 talk to kids, I'll do that. It's just my gift. It's just my gift to talk. So why wouldn't you do that for children who who need? that touch of discipleship more than anybody. Find your gift and go for it. Like I said before, it may take time, it may take process, it may take experimentation, but once you know, engage. The enemy wants to keep you on the sidelines. His strategy is so easy. the, 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 The scripture tells us don't be unaware of Satan's schemes. Don't be unaware of Satan's schemes. So to make us disinterested in church and disinterested in the the body and make us just people who are so prideful. We're like, yeah, I've done it. Me and God are okay. I'll see you in heaven, Lord. And I'm just going to enjoy the earth. I'm just going to enjoy the culture we're in. We can't transform our culture if we worship our culture. You know, I mean, we can't do that. we're, We're so excited about entertainment. That's why the Bible says it's hard for rich people to enter the kingdom of God. You might not feel like you're rich, but you are rich. We're mobile people. We travel. We go. We, we entertain ourselves. We have access to food. I mean, look, all down this road, all these people are working this morning and can't go to church because they have to give us food when we give them money. Have you thought about that? I mean, I, this is, this, this is we, we are wealthy people, and it's hard for us to enter into the kingdom of God because of that. So we have to be disciplined in our messages. I love when I see old church friends meet up. Sometimes we accidentally run into people in a store that we went to church with 20 years ago or 15 years ago or five years ago, whatever the case is. Uh, Sometimes um, it's at a a planned reunion. Uh, Greg was telling me he was at one of those last week. Sometimes it happens here. I've seen people who used to attend a church somewhere else bump into each other here, and there's a depth of excitement to see one another. And here's the reason I believe. There is no bond like building the local church together. Come on, there is no bond like that. I, I, I know. I know we, we think that the bonds we create at work will last forever, but usually when we leave a job, we lose touch with those people. I mean, I'm proud of things that I accomplished in sports, and I keep up with some of those people. But, you know, those, those are distant memories now. We are the only ones who cared about what we accomplished athletically. No one else even remembers, especially as some of our parents start to age and change. But, man, what we did to build the kingdom of God, what we did at a church, what we did to save people and for people to give their lives to the Lord and to disciple teenagers and to to disciple children and to uh, reach our neighbors for Christ and to invite people to church and give them a chance to turn from darkness to light. Those things are eternal. They're going to last forever and ever and ever and ever. They will not change. There is no bond. I'm sorry for you. I feel sorry for you if you're missing out what God's doing in the church. Here's the scripture. And Aubrey, as you come on up, the scripture we want to close with, uh, here's the last point. United in building the kingdom. That's what God's called us to do. Let's, let's unite and build the kingdom. We want to build the culture of God, the kingdom of God. Come on, guys. We are foreigners here on the planet Earth. Do you believe it? Don't love this world too much. Come on, don't get too comfortable here. You guys know my lifestyle. I'm not calling us to to um, self-impose masochism where we're trying to prove how spiritual we are by being so disengaged and and, and living so uh, painfully. I'm just saying that the blessings of God that we all enjoy, don't love them too much because it'll keep you off mission for what God has called. So I love the scripture that Kristen read earlier out of Ephesians chapter four, verse 13 through 16. It talks about maturity and it talks about sound teaching, and it talks about speaking the truth in love. And let's go all the way to verse 16. It says, from him, the whole body, fitted and knit together by every supporting ligament, promotes the growth of the body for building up itself in love by a proper working of each individual part. So you look at that and you're seeing that pastors in the and evangelists and prophets and teachers are equipping God's people, and God's people are coming together in unity, and they're not succumbing to false doctrine, but they're 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 continuing to live out historic biblical Christianity, and the body's coming together, and people are engaging. And now, look what happens is the kingdom of God has grown. And how is the kingdom of God, the culture of God grown? It's grown through the local church. It's grown through what God does here. We are doing great things. We are not just kicking our sixth and seventh graders out for service. We're training up the next pastors and teachers and prophets and board members and elders. This is serious business. We have a faith to pass on. What we do matters. Our participation, our, our heart, our attendance. These things matter because they are building God's kingdom on earth. It's building God's presence on earth. The local church, what we give to the local church, which is Jesus, which is the hope of the world, is the only thing that will last into eternity. And that's why what we do matters. And that's why the enemy wants you uninterested, unengaged, just putting in your time, not caring anymore, uh, uh, congratulating yourself on your past accolades. But God says, don't remember the past because the good parts of your past are messing you up. He says, move on. You've got a today call, you have a now call. You have a today assignment. You have a chance to step forward and move forward with who you are today for what God's called you to do today. I told you I like preaching on this stuff, don't I, huh? Jesus said this in Matthew 16, 18. He said this, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. Because the church is advancing against that dark place known as Hades, or we call it hell, that place of darkness, that place of godlessness, that place where there is no light, no holiness, no righteousness, and that is a strongly defended thought process in our culture. But the church, when we come together in unity and purpose, and we come together with that calling, and we are all united together, we're going to advance against the darkness, and we're going to take back from the kingdom of, of Satan what he has taken, and we're going give it back to what belongs to God, who is the ruler over all things, all places, and all ways. Would you stand with me? Come on, let's stand together. Father, we just come to you in humility right now. Lord, thank you for stirring up your people. Thank you for, for evangelists in your church. And for pastors and missionaries and teachers, God. Thank you, God, for small group leaders. Thank you for those who are working in the nursery right now. Thank you for those who are teaching 6th and 7th graders. Thank you for our 4th and 5th grade connections ministry with Pastor Chip. Thank you for what Pastor Jennifer is doing, Lord, with connections, uh, with journeys right now. Lord, thank you that you're building your church. Thank you, Lord, for biblical preaching. Thank you, Lord, for Jesus' exalting music. Thank you for an invitation to the table of the Lord as we join and partake with the body of Christ of all people of all places united for the purposes of Jesus Lord we thank you for the church we thank you for the gathering God and Lord we repent corporately for Lord in our hearts Lord minimizing Lord this gift you've given us God for Lord uh, belittling it God Lord for uh, criticizing it unduly without participating in it anymore Lord we we we, we we have made other things idols and have set it uh, uh, underneath your kingdom and your purposes, oh God. So, Lord, we repent and we set our hearts straight right now, God. We turn our hearts to the Lord.